0: Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. It is easier to trust God when you're in control of things than when you're out of control and you're unsure of what is going to happen next. Now that probably resonates with your internal logic. Trusting in ourselves typically is our first response and it is most definitely our innate Adamic way of thinking, our worldview, our presupposition, being in control provides you with a sense of security and confidence and comfort. The problem is us being in control is strictly man-made. The downside to this human-centered worldview is that it is a misplaced faith. God calls us to trust him, not our circumstances. God is the object of our faith, not our preferred outcomes. Now, because our loyalty to ourselves creates this self-reliant spirit in ourselves, it could be. That God will come along and push us beyond our preferences, beyond our predictions, to teach us to rely on Him who raises the dead. Hello, everybody. This is Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for Life Over Coffee. Trot over over to our coffee shop at lifeovercoffee.com and check things out. I want to share with you a resource uh, here. I I titled it, by the way, It's Easier to Trust God When You're in Control. This is foundational to our entire ministry. There are like four cornerstones to our ministry, and talking about self-reliance versus God-reliance, or self-sufficiency versus God-sufficiency, this is one of those Cornerstones. I teach it when I go to conferences, when I'm asked to. I've got webinars on it. We inculcate this in our students, in our Mastermind program. I have articles. We talk about it at infinitum because this is one of our greatest struggles, and it's absolutely essential that we understand the problem and the solution. And I want to lay it out here in this resource, again, titled It's Easier to trust God when you're in control. And what I would encourage you to do is to go over to lifeovercoffee.com and look for it. By the way, there is an infographic embedded in this article For those listening by podcast and video, you won't have the advantage of it, but if you go to the footer of our website, you will see a little link that says shareables, and if you click on that link, that's the only way to find our graphics in our sanctification center, and so you have to go over to the corner of our coffee shop, lifeovercoffee.com, Hit the, Go into the little shareables room, it's in the footer of the website, click on it, and you'll see multiple boxes. One of those will be infographics, and that's the door you want to go through to access over 130 infographics, including the one that I have embedded in this article. Of course, if you go to this article, it's easier to trust God when you're in control, You can get this graphic, and I would encourage you to do that, that you can print this article off, you can read it on our website, but that you have this graphic visually before you because seeing it is believing, seeing it will be practically helpful to you so let me jump into this. I will try to describe best I can by video and, and audio, our podcast, the graphic. But again, I would encourage you to go get it. Let's begin with Philippians 4.13. One of our favorite verses, Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, Paul is the primary topic of my discussion here. Humanly speaking, God, of course, is always our number one subject. But Paul said this in Philippians 4.13, and he learned that whatever situation he found himself to be in, that he could be content because of what he said here in this short sentence in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The temptation for you, the temptation for me is to rewrite that. sentence, I can do all things through me who strengthens me, and that is at the heart of self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency is an illusionary lifestyle that puts us at odds with God, even to the point that he may have to intervene in our lives to push us beyond our natural abilities. God wants us to put a governor on our desire to control our lives so that we don't think that we can function without Him. As Christians, we forfeited the right to have absolute authority over our lives at regeneration. We surrendered our lives to Him as the supreme ruler, and the biblical logic is clear. The Lord can manage things better than we can. Before Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, he had no problem whatsoever relying on God. He lived with God. He loved God. He knew God's love was for him. It was a big, beautiful world that Adam lived in, and he enjoyed it. He relied on God alone. There was seemingly nothing that he could not do as a God-reliant man, And then the snake entered the garden and fed Adam a lie through his wife, Eve. The snake told Adam he could compete with God by being a God, little G-O-D. And Adam and Eve believed the lie, creating two possibilities now. He could rely on God when necessary. And he could rely on himself too. Now we have options. And think about it. How cool would it be? to be God for a day, to be God for a week, to be God for a lifetime. That was the temptation, and you and all you and I have dabbled with that possibility at some juncture in our lives, and, and the culture is just full tilt into being God of their own lives. And, of course, we're seeing that it's ever-increasing chaos that it leads to, but we have experienced that as well. And so Adam bit the forbidden fruit and got what he wanted. His world was under new management now. His eyes were open to see things differently, and running his life was his new vocation. Some things have not changed, have they? Today's culture is without God. They believe they have figured it out. Their internal logic tells them to be all they can be to survive in our big, bad world. And the mandate is to look out for number one, rely on yourself, and even manipulate others to serve personal agendas. Of course, at some level of their hearts, everyone knows what Adam quickly learned. It's all a lie. Adam could not manage the world in which he lived. Any person who chooses not to trust God will have a similar fearful tension and fate. This is what Adam said in 310. I've heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Adam soon realized self-reliance was not cracked up to be what he thought it would be. He had to downsize. You see, living with omnipotence expanded the possibilities to limitless proportions. His choice to walk away from omnipotence meant he had to whittle his world down to bite-sized pieces because he could not control what God could control. He needed something more manageable. Trusting Jehovah did not necessitate a smallish world, with a small man in the middle of it. Rejecting God to become a God required thinking small. Being a God was not as easy as Adam thought it would be. And though he used to walk with God in big open places, he now lived in a a miniature, defiled version of what things used to be. Adam chose a world of his own making. It was a microcosm inside of the macrocosm. Knowing that there was something wrong with his new life without God, Adam became afraid, as he said. Fear is the typical instigator when we feel a bit out of control. As things continue to escape our ability to manage, we start making excuses for why they are the way they are. Adam's fear motivated him to blame, to justify, to rationalize, and even to escape his surroundings. His cluster of collective sins is, is common for controllers. Do you recognize Adam's n- new best friends forever? Have you ever fallen prey to any of them, to blame, to justify, to rationalize your your problems away. You see, when you are God of your universe and your universe starts going off of its axis, you have to explain why things are falling apart. And the God at the center of the universe is not going to say, it's my fault, it's because of me. No, he is a manager, not only of his universe, but he is a manager of all people within his universe, and he's a manager of his reputation. And so when his little world starts falling off of his axis, he has to explain to somebody what's up with that. And some of the common Uh, reasons for that or, or mechanisms that he uses to explain himself or blaming it on Eve, justifying his actions, rationalize his actions. These things are the same temptations that we all fall prey to as well. God came to Adam asking him what he had done, and Adam did not want to be honest by admitting his mistake. God called him out for lying, asking him to trust him again. He even provided a means for Adam to do so, as we read in 315, the head crusher, the coming of Christ. God has provided us a means to do this too. His name is Jesus, the crusher of the serpent's head. We were little gods regenerated by God that he called to forego the little worlds of our making, and we did this gladly. Knowing that becoming a Christian meant relinquishing our rights to God while trusting Him. All we have to do is to give up our rights and accept Him as our God. Simple enough, right? Perhaps you have done this again and again and again. Perhaps you like me as I trust myself, trust God, trust God, trust myself again and again and again. Maybe you have relinquished your rights to being a God and you decided to live your life for the true and living God. I hope that you have. And If you are listening or watching this and you don't know what it means to be a Christian, I would love for you to get in touch with us. You can go back to that footer at the bottom of our coffee shop. It says, get in touch with us and just click the link and get in touch with us and ask us how to become a Christian. How do you trust God? I want to be born again. I've heard that language. Or maybe you've never heard that language. I've talked to people, and it's, it's odd, even in, especially in America, but I have talked to people in America who have not heard the word Jesus, and they do not, they've never heard the term born again because we are that far from how this country started. And so if you don't know what it means to be born again or to become a Christian, please get in touch with us. We would love to show you how to do that. And for those of you who have trusted God, you know that there will be a continual tension in your relationship with Him. We live in a body that is fallen and quickly lured toward the things of this world. The daily temptation is to revert to our former manner of life, those comfort zones of being our God where we are in control. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe God sets things up in your life so that you can't control them? Have you ever wondered if God purposely did things to you so that you would learn to stop relying on yourself? Parents will do this from time to time with their children. They can can create these controlled, safe contexts where the child just might not succeed creating a context where the child is is pushed right up to the point to where they may succeed or fail and the hope is of the parent is that there would be some failure in there The home is a perfect laboratory for children to fail so that they can receive the proper encouragement and the instruction of their parents, and sometimes a parent will create these safe, controlled environments where the child might not succeed, hoping to instill one of the most important lessons that he or she will ever learn, that you are not omnipotent. Ceasing from self trust was God's appeal to Adam. Now, Paul understood this and taught the Corinthians how suffering can lead to God reliance. God is our parent pushing us beyond our ability to manage the situation we find ourselves suffering. We need to understand that we don't want to be suffering dominant. We want to be sovereignly dominant, dominated by God's sovereignty. And if we have that perspective, that's going to give us clarity, sovereign clarity, to realize that suffering will lead to God reliance. Paul knew their tendency in the Corinthians because it was his tendency too. He knew that if a person could get away with it, he would reduce his world to something manageable, making themselves God, never relying on anyone, including the Almighty. When Paul talked to the Corinthians about it in his second letter, he opened the very first chapter in verses 8 and 9. He says, for we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength." That we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul did not primarily see the trouble that came to him as a negative thing, but as God's mercy, God's love, God's faithfulness, God's care for him. He understood his prideful tendencies and how he needed prodding to break the Adamic struggle of self reliance. Even though he despaired of life, which, by the way, is hard to imagine. Maybe some of you have been in that place where you have come up on the edge of despairing of life itself. This is what Paul is talking about. And even though he was there, he realized the merciful love of God who wanted Paul to rely on someone more dependable. And so that is where in this article that I have for you I have a, a sketch and the sketch represents an actual drawing that I drew for a couple during a counseling session. And those of you who have been around a while you know that I I do that. I sketch out all of my counseling sessions. I have an iPad right here that I I use on the video. You can see it. I and I have this pencil and I will sketch. I have a, a a, an app for that of course and I'll sketch it out for the people and they can see it on a large screen there's a large screen off-camera here and they can see it as I'm sketching out these ideas and then I will zip them up and send these documents to them via email so that they can have these visuals well I did that to, for this counseling uh, couple as well I wanted to teach them about their sinful tendencies toward self-reliance that was killing their marriage. The goal was to point them to their real need to rely on God who raises the dead. And so on the picture, what you'll see on the infographic, and again, you can find it inside this article that's titled, It's Easier to Trust God When You're in Control. And at the very top of that infographic is a rectangular box. I call that the comfort zone. That is that smallish world that Adam had whittled down when he was prior living with omnipresent, omnipotent God. But if you're going to be god of your own universe, then you have to whittle your world down. These are the things that they could do, nearly ensuring that it will be a failure-free life. You can almost have a failure-free life if you whittle your world down small enough to where you can control everything within your comfort zone. Of course, each person's comfort zone differs depending on their desires, their cravings, their dreams, their hopes, their expectations, of course, their strengths. And their God given abilities must cooperate with their aspirations so that they can manage everything within their comfort zone their rectangular box and so in my counseling session the couple had hoped for a particular kind of life together a specific kind of marriage and so they outlined this is what we want our world to be and so they had their world predetermined that they could live in and as long as circumstances met their expectations as they engineered or manipulated the outcome it kept them in control And all was well. The problem with self-sufficient thinking is that it does not require authentic trust in God. It is a little G-O-D in charge of a little world. Self-reliance is idolatry run amok because people rely on themselves to acquire or to control whatever outcome they desire. Self-sufficiency is a worship disorder. And God will never allow his children to live within a worship dysfunction. He demands exclusive worship, which is the child of God, trusting, relying upon, having confidence, believing in, hoping in God alone. And the Lord could not be more explicit in Exodus 20, verse number three, when he said, You shall have no other gods before me. God will not let us get away with idolatrous thinking and practices. God calls all former little gods, you and me, to trust the true and living God, and there is nothing beyond His means that He may choose to use to move us from self-reliance to God-reliance." Paul called it beyond our strength. He was burdened beyond his strength. If you don't have this kind of God-centered perspective on suffering, you will despair of life, like Paul, when your world is spinning out of control and you can't manage it. If you don't learn the process of trusting him who raises the dead, then you will despair of life too. You will also be wrestling with the Lord. Now, typically, the initial sin of a controlling person is the same as the sin of Adam. It is unbelief. If you look at the infographic, you will see at the very bottom is a heart, and at that heart is, this, is unbelief. Uh, This tension between faith and, and unfaith. Now, when I'm talking about unfaith or unbelief for the Christian, I'm not talking about your salvation at all. That is secure. If Christ has regenerated you, that is secure. But I'm talking about a lack of unbelief in our sanctification And that is our tension. When you get to the bottom of a person's problem, when life is unwieldy and they are despairing, they are not trusting God, synonym, they're not believing God, it is unbelief. When our world becomes unwieldy, our first response is not to trust God. And then a word cloud will begin to glom on our unbelief, other sins like anxiety, worry, And fear will follow. And of course, you will see that in the infographic. God was moving the couple out of their comfort zone. He was stepping into their contrived, hermetically sealed box, and he was imploding it, blowing out the walls and pushing them beyond their ability to a place that they could not manage so that they would learn to quit relying on themselves and trust him. Who raises the dead? It would be best to trust God when things get out of control. A fantastic response. However, for us little God controllers, typically we do what we have always habituated ourselves to do for most of our lives. We rely on ourselves. Self-reliance is a habit. If things are getting out of control, the default is to go right back to our practice before we met God. And, of course, that habituation does not work. It creates more dysfunction, personal dysfunction, and relational calamity. The two most typical ways that a person will resort to regain control of their world, to realign their universe, to get their tidy little box back in order again, there are two main tactics that a person will use. One is anger, and the other is escape. Anger is the most common habit for controllers, the control freak is a manipulative tactic of a little insecure person trying to regain control of his world that he feel he feels he is losing. It is the angry dad who just barks and everybody just stops takes a step back salutes the flag and and he he gets his world back in order again. That is a manipulative A tactic anger is forms of manipulative anger or anything from rage to the silent treatment, to criticism, to blaming, to justification or rationalization. All these are little tools for the angry person to to at least give the appearance that he has things under control again. And then another response to the person whose world is falling apart, in addition to anger, is escaping. Escaping is the dumbing down habit of controllers. Rather than dealing with the problems through anger, they seek to escape from the problems. Various escapes are alcohol, medication, spending money, video games, TV, movies, overeating. There's a long list. But there is a solution for this, and Paul gives us that solution in 2 Corinthians. I've already shared it with you, that they were burdened beyond their strength, but that was to teach them not to rely on themselves, but to rely on God who raises the dead. Now, it is interesting how Paul addressed the solution to the problem. He said he learned to trust God who raises the dead. That is the key phrase in the solution. And while you already know what the the answer should be trust god it is instructive that paul would frame the solution in resurrection language paul used specific words to communicate the solution not just trust god but trust him who raises the dead he could have said trust christ he could have said believe in the cross he could have said hope in the gospel he could have used any other descriptor that pointed to trusting Almighty God. But he chose the resurrection as how to think about God's ability. He wanted them to know that the gospel was more than a man dying on a tree. That is a facet of the gospel. The gospel is also a man coming out of a grave, the resurrection. He wanted them to think about God's powerful ability in the, dire- in the direst of circumstances. Targeting this particular aspect of the gospel is essential for us to understand. You may have a lot of capacity, a lot of competency. You may have a lot of courage, but you cannot bring anyone out of the grave. Only God can raise the dead. What He can do for us is far superior to anything we have ever thought about doing for ourselves. The title of this is, It's easier to trust God when you're in control. I would love for you to have this resource. You can read it. You can watch it. You can listen to it. And of course, you can share it with 1,000 of your closest friends. And I want you to do that. I want you to benefit personally, but I also want you to benefit others. Our mission statement is that we bring hope and help by creating resources for you and others to spark conversation for transformation. It's not just for you, it is for you, but it is also for others as well. So please share our content I want you to get a hold of this read watch listen resource now before I wrap up I do have a couple of questions I want to ask you and you can use these questions personally and then if you're discipling someone use this resource here as a a homework assignment or as a tool that that you can give to them so that they can benefit read it on their own time read it at their own pace look at all the scriptures that are embedded if they have the actual link from the website you'll also find that there are a lot of linked words that will take you throughout our coffee shop that will bring uh, other, uh, uh, in- other resources that will help clarify what you're reading here. And so, yes, we can die for someone, but we cannot raise someone from the uh, grave. Paul put God in a unique category. He is the one that we have to trust, and he's the most powerful of all. He can raise people from the grave. And so the question is, one of the questions is, will you trust him? Now, what does it mean to trust God? Practically speaking, trust God is so bumper stickerish. uh, Trust God is so cliche-y that I want you to, to to stop and think, what does trusting God mean practically, not theologically? I mean, I trust that you can give a theological answer, an academic response to what trusting God means, but what about an original response that's outside of the classroom where you take the theological truth and you practically apply it in a unique way to you? And so will you trust God? And the follow-up, what does it mean to trust God Practically speaking, what is an area of your life that you do not want to yield control? Question number two, will you learn how to rely on him? Now, what would you say if you were to explain to someone what it meant to rely on him? To be able to articulate these gospel truths will help to submit these truths in your mind. The teacher learns more than the student, and so if you can learn this to where you can articulate it practically to another individual, then you will be able to own it. One of the greatest benefits to what I have been doing virtually my entire adult life is that I get to think about these things. I get to write these things out. Take hours and hours to write an article, to produce what I'm producing here, but I don't do it in a detached way. I have to think how to make it clear, how to make it practical, how to communicate it to you. And there is a huge residual benefit in my own soul. And we have seen as we have received hundreds and hundreds of testimonies from people that there's a benefit for them as well and so if you can articulate this to a friend it will help you to own this information and it will bring transformation to your own soul too so the question is will you learn how to rely on him and then the follow-up what would you say if you were to explain to someone what it meant to rely on god what are the specifics the steps The process as you uh, disciple another person. And then finally, question number three. Are there any aspects of self-reliance operative in you? If there are, then what is your plan for repentance? Lay it out, practically speaking. By the way, one-time repentance will not be enough. Self-reliance is a habituation. It is a practice. It is innate in us. It is endemic, And so you're going to need help. One of the best things that a self-reliant person could do is to humble themselves by letting others know how this sin has caught them, and they want to work through it, and they need help. Other reliance is a good start that will help anyone to overcome self-reliance. The title of this is Easier to Trust God When You're in Control. Thank you for listening, and for those that underwrite our ministry, that make all of this free— to thousands of people. Thank you so much for giving. You're the ones that, that we are, are riding on. You, you are the, you're the ones that's allowing us to progress, to move forward, to produce, share, to help, to communicate, dialogue with others. It helps me to go into churches, to produce courses, to uh, do our Mastermind program, to produce this content. Thank you so much. If you're able to underwrite our ministry, would you take us on missionally? Uh, we are cyber missionaries nomadically going around the world every single day that is a literal statement no days off no minutes off whatsoever because our sanctification center is in cyberspace and we're doing work in our coffee shop all the time and we need your help and so if you can support us if you have the ability monthly annually we would really appreciate it so that we can continue to do uh, produce these resources here thank you so much and god bless thanks for joining us learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com